Welcome to the Vaughn Forest Student Podcast, a place where we talk about faith, life, and the hope of Jesus in the midst of a dying world. I'm your host, Luke DeMarco. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to start a conversation on the book of Daniel. Some of you may know some of the stories from this book. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the lion's den. But there's a whole lot more to this book that we tend to not talk about. There's visions, there's dreams, there's God turning a king into an animal. There's beasts coming out of the ocean to fight each other. There's there's some crazy stuff in this book. We're going to talk about all of it. We're also going to talk about what all this has to do with us. Maybe we're not living in ancient Babylon like Daniel was, but there's a lot we can learn from this book, like how to stand up for truth in a world of lies, how to hear the voice of God in a world of noise, and ultimately what Jesus and his kingdom truly looks like in a world ruled by Babylon. Who knows? Maybe we'll find that we're a whole lot closer to Babylon than we thought we were. So sit back, buckle up, open a Bible to the book of Daniel. It's page 737 in my Bible, probably different for yours. Make some coffee or tea if you want. Things are about to get weird. The book of Daniel starts in the land of Judea. You remember the nation of Israel was divided after King Solomon's reign into the northern kingdom, or the kingdom of Samaria, and the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judea. The reason for the split? Idolatry. Solomon turned away from the Lord to worship idols towards the end of his life, and it destroys the kingdom from the inside out like a sickness. From Solomon onward, both lines of kings in both kingdoms struggled and succumbed to going after other gods instead of the one true God. So God's people are following the king's example, turning from the God of Israel and following after these lowercase g gods. And it's leading to all kinds of wicked and terrible things, even things like child sacrifice. It's evil. And God has just about had enough of it. Around the time of Daniel, the Jewish people in the southern kingdom are ruled by a guy named Jehoiakim. The guy has some serious issues. You can read about him more in 2 Kings chapters 23 and 24, but overall, not a good dude. And he's not even close to the king David or Solomon was. Because of his idolatry and the idolatry of Judea's other wicked kings, God brings in the nation of Babylon to punish Israel for the sins that they've committed. It's almost like a mini judgment day. Daniel chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury 
crap of this guy. This looks like it could be the end of the people of Israel. Instead of choosing the way of God, they chose to go their own way and it resulted in ruin. Now they have to face the consequences. And suddenly God's people find themselves in exile. But this didn't come out of nowhere. God warned the people of Israel long ago that this would happen if they turned from him to worship other gods. Moses warned the Israelites that this would happen before they even stepped into the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses is standing before the people of Israel and he says this, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and a curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. To give them. Moses is practically begging God's people to follow the Lord. Why? Because where God is, there is life, peace, comfort, love, hope, things we all need in the midst of a dying world and a coronavirus filled one. But when you try to find hope, peace, love, and anything else, anything less than God, it kills you. That's what happened to Judea here in the book of Daniel. But even in this mini judgment day, God has mercy on his rebellious people. And this mercy shows up in an unlikely hero, Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You probably know them by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is their story. Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to understand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans, the king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the king of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. At first glance, it seems like 
these guys are in a bleak situation. Daniel and his friends are part of the royal family, or the nobility, which means that, most likely, they're part of the line of King David. And that's pretty cool in most cases, but when an enemy invades your country, it means you have a massive target on your back. King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, kidnaps Daniel and his buddies because of this reason. He has a plan for them. Get the best of the best of the royal family and completely strip them of their heritage by teaching them the ways of Babylon instead of the law of Moses and the ways of God. That way, not only will their city lay in ruins, but their culture and even their allegiance to God would lie in ruins too. And if they don't conform, Babylon simply kills them and moves on with their plans for world domination. The stakes are high for Daniel and his friends. What do you do in a situation like that? Now, I want to press pause on the story, and I want to present an interesting argument here. The world still tries to do this to followers of Jesus today. Now hear me out. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you become a part of his people, his rule, his kingdom. The struggle we face as Jesus followers, though, is the fact that our kingdom, our promised land, the kingdom of heaven, hasn't been seen yet. Like Daniel, the followers of Jesus are exiles, held captive by a modern-day world. And this modern-day world gives us the same kind of pressures that Babylon did. Conform to our ways, our culture, our gods, or else. We may not be put to death over the matter, but it certainly isn't comfortable when we try to live the way of Jesus in a world who is going the opposite direction. When you speak up about worshiping Jesus as Lord, we could face ridicule, social outcast, persecution. What do we do when it feels like the whole world is telling us to turn away from Jesus to worship their gods? It's sort of like living in a modern day Babylon. It's a little eerie to think about. Maybe we're living a whole lot closer to Babylon than we thought. But fortunately, we're not alone in the midst of exile. Daniel has been here before. And more importantly, God has been here before. Daniel found a way out of his captivity. If we follow his lead, we may just make it out with our souls intact, even when the way looks like death on the surface. This way is what the theologian Tim Mackey calls the way of the exile. Typically, when your country is overthrown, the world gives you two options. Conform to the new way of life, or fight to get your old ways back. One ends in cowardice and loss of self. The other ends in bloodshed and loss of life. But here in the Bible, God offers us this third way, this way of the exile. And it looks like this. Love your enemies. See them as humans held captive to their own sin. But don't give in to their ways, even if it means death for you. Show them a fierce love. One only God could give. Love God, love people, and only bow to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, Jesus, even if it costs you your life. This is the way of the exile. We'll see how it plays out for Daniel and his friends. Now, let's head back to Babylon.
The first big test that Daniel and his friends face happens in chapter 1, verse 8 of the book of Daniel. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Daniel resolves that he won't eat the king's food. Um, okay. Well, what's wrong with the king's food? Well, according to the law of Moses, the people of God are meant to act in a certain way. This includes everything from how to treat the poor to how to eat well. You can find these laws in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But sufficient to say, in the law of Moses, there are foods that are seen as clean and foods that are seen as unclean. Foods like chicken, veggies, beef, lamb, normal food people eat are seen as clean. Unclean animals like pigs, bats, vultures, these are unclean foods. These food laws were a symbolic way of reminding God's people that they were to live differently than the rest of the world, not following their own sinful desires, but following God's desires. Now, if you're thinking, wait, I just had pork barbecue. Did I just disobey God? No, 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 you didn't. These laws were fulfilled when Jesus came onto the scene. Christians no longer have to follow the law of Moses because we are now under the law of grace, a different kind of law. You can read all about that in the book of Romans. But Jesus hadn't stepped onto the scene yet in the book of Daniel, although we get a lot of glimpses of Jesus later on in this book. We'll talk about that more later. Daniel is living under the law of Moses. This law is the closest way he can follow God's desires for the period of history that he's living in. But that gets really difficult when the food you're supposed to eat, the food that's been given to you, doesn't line up with a food outlined in the law of Moses. Daniel has a choice here. Does he conform to the patterns of the world that he's living in, or does he fight it? Or is there a third option? The story picks up in verse nine. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. And Daniel said to the steward of the chief of the eunuchs, who had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days, and let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat of the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter, and he tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and their wine they were to drink, and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had the understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. 
And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, we have a few points to make here. First, Daniel is resilient not to follow the ways of his enemies. And yet God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of Nebuchadnezzar's officials. They all loved this guy named Daniel. Why? Because he loved people well. He probably was one of the few Jews living in Babylon who didn't actively hate the Babylonians. He loved people where he was at, and it made a difference. But the risk in this situation is still pretty big. People don't just say no to the king of Babylon. That could make you lose your head, literally. Yet Daniel is brave enough to speak up here. In verse 12, Daniel asks to be put to a test. He says, test yourselves for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Daniel says, let's do it God's way and see if we're better off. If we're not, you can punish us however you see fit. And that's just what they end up doing. They take Daniel and his buddies up on their diet challenge. And after 10 days, the people who followed God's diet looked way healthier than the people who ate from the king's table. Huh, go figure. Now this story isn't just about how we should eat our vegetables. It's a small glimpse at what the way of the exile is all about. Daniel and his friends could have conformed to the world around them. It would have been a lot easier and a lot safer. But instead, they chose God's way of living and they simply trusted that God would take care of them in the midst of it. Do we have that kind of faith? Are we bold enough to lovingly, yet boldly, look at the forces of our modern day Babylons and say, no, I'll love you, but I'm not gonna follow you. I'm not gonna eat from your table. Or have we been silently following the ways of the world while forsaking our true calling as sons and daughters of God? The way of the exile is hard, but because of their boldness, God rewarded them in big ways. He never left them. The Bible says that God gave them, quote, learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, end quote. And to Daniel, the leader of the group, he gave a skill that will save his life later and the lives of all of Israel, the ability to interpret visions and dreams. Babylon saw that there was something special about Daniel and his friends, and they got a promotion. They got to stand before the king of Babylon as some of the king's main advisors because all of the wisdom God gave them. Scripture says that their wisdom was 10 times better than anything the magicians or the enchanters in Babylon could give King Nebuchadnezzar. And for the first year in Babylon, Daniel and his friends enjoyed a high position in the king's court, with God taking care of them the whole way. Through. We bring up this story to ask the question, what is our Babylon? Maybe it's your school's social hierarchy. Maybe it's your community. Or maybe it's your whole nation. Your Babylon could be any group of people who try to keep you from following the ways of Jesus. When you're faced with the reality of Babylon, what do you do about it? 
Maybe you conform to the patterns of this world. We give in to sin a little bit here and there just to blend in, not to cause a scene. I mean, who wants to rock the boat, right? Or maybe you fight it, but you're so loud and outspoken about your faith in Jesus that you preach a gospel that accidentally ends up being far from good news, and you become a holier-than-thou kind of person. You end up becoming a Pharisee. Everyone sees you as a stuck-up jerk because you're so busy fighting sin, you forgot to love the sinner in the first place. No matter where you are on the spectrum, I want to give you hope of a third way. The way of the exile. The way of Jesus. The way that causes us to love our enemies radically while holding tight to the truth at the same time. Kind of like Daniel and his friends do. We also need to remember that in the midst of our time in Babylon, God is here with us. And the moment we step out in faith, he is willing and able to provide a solid ground for you to step on every step of the way. Are we going to take that first step? As we'll see in the next episode, this, this third way, it's a journey. Food laws quickly become the least of Daniel's worries. His greatest challenges are ahead of him, and he will have to learn to rely on God day by day as he dwells behind enemy lines. We need to learn to do the same. This season of quarantine can be a great way for us to refocus our gaze on who God truly is, how he loves us, and how to live in light of that love. So that by the time we step back into our communities, back into our schools, our college campuses, we become more than rebels, more than conformists, more than everyday average Joes trying to get by in this life. We become exiles. And that's what following Jesus was all about. Thank you for tuning in to the Vaughn Forest Student Podcast. The show is voiced and produced by Luke DeMarco and is associated with Vaughn Forest Church in Montgomery, Alabama. Next week, we have a big thing coming at you guys. We are doing a massive student ministry-wide Zoom call where we can all come together and talk about the stuff that God is teaching us in Daniel. Hopefully, um, we're going to send out that link really, really soon. So be on the lookout on Instagram, on email, on our newsletter. If you don't follow us on Instagram, now's a great time to do that, at Von Forest Students. Um, it's going to be great, and uh, we'll get together and have some honest conversation about what Daniel means to us in this day and age. It's going to be really cool next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. Until then, we will see you guys later. Have a great week.